Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of our Ketosis Connecting the Dots podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Burr, Content Marketing Editor here at Ketosis. Today, we're talking with Simon Mott, who's the Global Head of Marketing at Han ETF. Hello, Simon. Welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Thanks for having the time to talk to us. Would you be able to start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your background and your role at Han ETF? Yeah, sure. Um, well, for my sins, I'm a B2B marketing guy, and I have been for about 20 years um, working around the asset management, investing, financial services space. Um, worked at a number of companies from quite small boutique hedge funds up to some of the largest uh, exchanges in the world. Had a number of years with uh, Chicago Merck. And then more recently, eight years with London Stock Exchange, um, working on their indexing and ETF business. So having spent quite a lot of time throughout my career looking at the exchange traded funds market, um, when Hector, who's the CEO of, of Han, you know, was telling me about his new idea, you know, I was very excited. It was something I wanted to be part of. And um, you know, after a couple of conversations, I went to join. I went to join Han. Mm-hmm. So we were a very, very fresh company. You know, we walked into the new offices, and it was really just an empty room uh, with a couple of screens inside. So we were building everything from zero. Mm-hmm. Um, somewhat intimidating, but you know, as a marketer, it's something you actually really get an opportunity to do very rarely. Often, you're inheriting old technology or old processes and systems from yeah. you know from previous uh, previous years but to be able to start with a blank sheet of paper and go what do we want our marketing technology to do what do we want it to look like how do we want to operate um, and then build from there you know actually quite a luxurious proposition so we spent um, the majority of last year building the infrastructure out here at Han uh, we launched our first funds in September uh, 2018 um, we've been kind of busy ever since, kind of bringing bringing a couple more products out, but also evolving and uh, and enhancing the you know the marketing and, and sales tech infrastructure here. Mm-hmm. Awesome, yeah. You outlined there that you've you know had to kind of create a market proposition from scratch, um, which you you outlined in an interview with Jobs and ETFs, and you're hoping to build yeah a digital marketing platform at Han ETF, which is awesome. Um, would you be able to expand on these developments and tell us? What's happening maybe in the near future at Han ETF in terms of your marketing? Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll kind of tell you kind of where we came from, first of all, I guess, as well. I kind of cool. factored into it. Um, so we're a, Han ETF is not your typical asset management company. We've really got two dimensions to the business. One is um, the platform that we offer um, for people to launch funds through. And part of my role as marketing here is to promote that platform capability to asset managers who might want to launch an ETF. And then the second portion of it is that we have to, uh, we also take responsibility for distribution and marketing of the funds that are launched on our platform. So from a marketing point of view, I need to be responsible for my own company. And then I also need to be responsible for other people's products and representing them properly. Now, when we started, obviously we had no funds. Um, you know, we, we, have, we hadn't launched uh, any funds at that point, but the intention was always to have, you know, a very 
broad uh, a range of products um, across all different asset classes. So I had to kind of build some, uh, for, you know, for a high degree of scalability. Um, I also wasn't um, likely, you know, being a small company to have a very large marketing team. Um, and so we needed to automate and we needed to get a lot of efficiencies in there. I think a lot of marketers would probably sit there and nod their head when, when they get, when, you know, when I say a lot of places you spend a lot of time kind of creating reports, systems don't talk to one another properly, difficult to get the information you need to make decisions. And that just is a time suck, right? And, uh, and frankly, people have got much better things to do with their day. Um, and trawl through Excel spreadsheets trying to trying to get a number. So I really wanted to build everything together. Um, I wanted a better view of our clients than, than was possible previously. I wanted to understand how user behaviors was feeding into marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to integrate a lot more social content, a lot more multi, uh, multi-platform, multi-channel, digital um, material. And so the entire marketing infrastructure was kind of built with that in mind. Um, we never wanted to be the same as, you know, I remember one of my real bugbears about, about marketing in, in asset management is everybody copies one another and there are not very many kind of fresh ideas out there. Yeah. We're like a really risk-averse, frankly boring a lot of the time industry, right? And then everybody wonders why no one no one's interested in what they've got to say. Um, but I, don't, I really don't see how you improve by just watching what the next guy is doing and then, and then catching up to that, right? And unfortunately, I see that a lot in this business. So from a kind of branding and kind of uh, presentation point of view, you know, I definitely wanted hand to look distinctive. Um, I did not want it to feel like a square mile. I didn't want it to feel like Wall Street. Um, we're trying to change an industry. We're trying to change the way ETFs are, are created in Europe. We're trying to get new ideas out there into the market. Um, and we're disruptive. Um, you know, and genuine, genuinely disruptive in, 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 in that sense. So looking like a kind of fusty old asset manager was never going to work for us. So from a branding point of view, I try to position us a lot more towards a kind of, you know, youthful, modern, um, more exciting, more vibrant uh, look. So in future, I think we're going to continue doing all of those things. Um, I'm quite happy with the way the the tech is working at the moment. So a lot about that is in testing, refining, trying new ideas out, seeing how we juice out incremental kind of gains from that. Um, Probably as we um, build out this year, um, we'll start doing you know, more on the, on the programmatic advertising side. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm always looking at, you know, neat little kind of technologies, little design elements, new approaches. And again, I think you, you can't rest on your laurels in this business anymore. Um, people do steal ideas very quickly. I think probably a good idea lasts about three weeks now before someone else has nicked it. Um, so you really always have to be, you know, on your toes thinking about how you're going to differentiate. For sure. Um, on that point, actually, do you think that you know having that kind of more youthful and design, design-based um, strategy is what differentiates marketing ETFs compared to the more ubiquitous funds? No, because I think actually, you know, a lot of the ETF guys aren't doing a great job on this as well. I'm not trying to start fights with anybody, but um, a lot of you know a lot of these guys came from traditional asset management and banking kind of backgrounds, right? And that culture's been absorbed. Um, kind of naturally over time. Um, I think a lot of it is to do with the way decisions get made within companies, honestly, right? And a lot of times when you're thinking about branding and marketing strategy, 
the person who's actually creating that isn't the isn't the marketing guys, right? It's the sales team or possibly like the CEO or the C suite. Um, and so the, the the process is done from a, from a very very different perspective. But I think what marketers need and what we are, I'm quite fortunate to to have now is real and accurate data, which allows me to kind of make my arguments about what we should be doing and what's working to those other stakeholders. So it really becomes a, a you know a, a metrics conversation rather than a kind of personal preference or taste conversation. And this can go literally down to something like, you know, what kind of imagery do you want to use? If you've got somebody who's pushing you towards more, you know, conservative landscapes and cityscapes and pictures of lakes and like kind of typical garbage, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can A-B test that. You can throw in some other images. And if it's resonating with your audience and they're more responsive to the alternative, then, then why would you not stick with that? But it's impossible to really have that conversation without the data, which is why you know, that integrated marketing piece is so powerful for us now. It helps us as marketers do a better job and it helps us have more impactful conversations with, you know, with the, with the people we need to work with. Sure. Yeah, definitely some excellent points in there. Um, and kind of veering to m- more towards kind of content marketing then um, for you at yeah. Hany TF, you know, you place your, your funds, you know, right at the forefront of your website. So it's, it's right in your face, which is great. Um, so what do you feel are the advantages of placing your product right at the helm of the marketing strategy? And also what forms of content do you think best benefits the presentation of your fund offering? Yeah, um, well, let me, I'll probably start with the second one, kind of, uh, the second kind of element on, on that first. Um, because content marketing is nothing new. Um, and there's a lot of it going on. Um, I think that, you know, it's become a bit of a kind of buzzword, right? But, but I think the focus has been on having a content strategy rather than uh, rather than kind of worrying too much about what that looks like. Yeah. And so I don't see a lot of, you know, again, we're not picking, picking fights or pointing fingers. Some people are doing a fantastic job of this, by the way. But there's still a lot of really kind of low value, kind of boring content out there. I know it's difficult to, you know, you have a European bond fund. It's difficult to make that sexy, right? And it's difficult to find things to things to say which are going to be kind of headline friendly and kind of and have appeal on a regular basis. So, I mean, I'm quite fortunate with the with the kind of products that we've got here. They're uh, a bit more uh, kind of easy to talk about in, in some ways. Yeah. Kind of, kind of re, you know, the themes are uh, resonate, um, but. I think there's been this massive misunderstanding about what kind of content people want and people, um, you know, within our industry, the asset management, people tend to like do long form white papers, quite dry research. Um, and ultimately I think this misreads the audience because we're all people, uh, you know, at the, at the end of the day, when you strip away our job titles, the fact that we're, we're sitting in the office doesn't mean all of a sudden that kind of emotions and our interests are completely kind of shut off and we're in professional mode and people you know want the infographics they want the videos they want the digestible content um that kind of snackable easy to easy to manage content just like they would do if, uh, you know in their personal life so i think there's a bit too much focus on on the kind of academic side of things and not enough focus on some of that more um you know appealing um uh, easy to easy to eat 
content. But of course, all of this does depend on your strategy and what your audience, um, uh, you know, what your market is, is, is up to. Um, the, the digital infrastructure I've got here is, um, you know, reliant on, you know, me as an effective marketer is kind of reliant on having a content stream that I can kind of push out there with a degree of regularity across different platforms, measure the kind of engagement with that, um, uh, with that kind of material. This kind of helps what I do in the future, right, and what, what, what we invest in and what we produce more of or less of in the future. Um, but that's also constantly feeding into that kind of sales process as well. So my strategy is very much about let's put things out there regularly, um, let's put shorter form content, let's do more videos, let's be highly image uh, led on things, um, you know, we're very visual creatures. And if you, you know, a lot of people are now consuming on smartphones rather than desktops. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I like to use this phrase thumb stoppers, right? You need those images that stop people scrolling, go, oh, wait, what was that? And, and when you're scrolling through your LinkedIn feed, you know, you're probably seeing 300, 400 posts a, a day at least. You need that one thing that kind of, you know, sparks a little bit of, uh, a little bit of interest. So it's up to the individual marketer to kind of figure out what, what that is for their audience, not a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. But, you know, I think there needs to be a bit more bravery, a bit more experimentation, um, and, the, and the willingness to kind of take risk and fail. I mean, marketing is ultimately about controlled failure, really. Yeah, that's a good, pretty good phrase to sum it up, actually. <laughs> um, and sticking with this kind of experimental point, um, we see that you uh, miss your TV studio at LSE quite a lot, and you're a big fan of video content, which you just mentioned there in that part's answer. Um, and going back to what you said very early on in the podcast, you know, about being a smaller company with, you know, marketing resource, all starting from scratch. From your experience, what advice would you have for smaller firms to do more with less for content marketing? The great, I think there's a lot of power in repurposing. Um, and if you are a smaller company, you have, you know, maybe you've got just one or, you know, half a person, uh, you know, on marketing, you can't really expect to, you know, run a lot of roadshows, have a very regular content flow, right? There's a capacity um, limit on that, on that individual. So in that scenario, um, my approach instinctively would, would be to think of one keystone um piece of uh, piece of content that can be repurposed in a lot of different ways and there's some great blogs out there and and, and experts who really kind of get into detail about how you take you know any piece of content and then, and then throw that into instagram or youtube or, or you know socialize it blog it micro videos etc so you can really create a lot of long-term value um out of one piece of you know, one piece of research or one other kind of keystone piece of content you can update relatively regularly. Um, I had kind of been in that scenario before when I was, um, you know, previous uh, in a previous role, and that was kind of the approach we took then was to was to create a quarterly uh, research piece that we could then really lean on for the following kind of three months, and that really, you know, did actually a pretty good job of getting our uh, visibility up at that point, which was which was the intention. Um, so again, you, uh, other things would be, you know, you need to have a unique voice. Um, you, you need to be saying something interesting, different, and useful. Um, again, I'm really trying as a hand to move us away from a very 
boring um, kind of corporate tonality. Again, I think that's that's uh, you can tell when things have been written by committee. Mm. It's what I always think, right? When all of the kind of energy and all of the humanity has been stripped out of a piece, it's obviously been through like eight levels of sign-off, right? But again, I think, you know, let's, let's humanize. We need to be more to humanize things and we need to be more to kind of appeal to people. Uh, again, that's one, one, of these, one of the reasons I'm not a massive fan of, uh, of um, uh, the, um, these kind of user uh, profiles that a lot of people kind of work on. You know, what's your typical risk manager? Well, there isn't a typical mm. risk manager. Right? There isn't a typical investor. They're just people. Um, so, you know, I think, I think changing the thinking really is, is what it's all about. Yeah, definitely like these points about, you know, uh, the humanizing of everything. Like, it really makes sense, doesn't it? Especially in the age of digital, it's pretty difficult to, to do that still, I think. Yeah, we've been such we've been so bad at it as an industry. Um, you know, investing, banking, asset management has been jargon heavy. It's been technical. Most people don't care, um, and we wonder why they don't care. But the risk here is, if people don't adapt, you're going to get disruptors. You're going to get challenges come in. There are already new companies kind of showing up in the in the investing space who have a completely different tone of voice. They, they're not presenting them. They're presenting themselves more like FinTech companies, right? They're, they're um, energized. They're youthful. They, they've cut, the, they cut the crap. If you want to put it, you know, bluntly, they, they've, uh, um, you know, and, and that's what's going to appeal to the next generation who are coming through. And again, I think there's a misinterpretation again in our market, particularly about what your typical user looks like. And I think people really still think there's some, you know, no disrespect to balding 50 year old men, but I think, you know, that's not a typical audience anymore. Right. I mean, you know, a lot of, you know, your average portfolio manager or um, whatever it may be is actually a kind of a lot younger, they're digitally um, sophisticated, um, you need to kind of build around that. Mm-hmm. And especially with kind of building connections as well, you've kind of used your expertise in the ETS space to host conferences and take part in television appearances, etc. So do you think that events play as big a role as they used to in the asset management industry? And then if they do, so why? Mm, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know about that. It's a constant debate I have with myself as well, actually. Um, I don't think they're, I don't, they're definitely not what they used to be. Mm-hmm. I think we, I think anybody, anybody who's been around for you know twenty years like me will 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 know it's definitely like it's, the conferences are definitely not as fun as they once were. Let's let's say that um, you know it's a very crowded market, right? And I think that's kind of reduced the quality, you know, in some respects. They've become very aggressively commercial, um, and you have to pick and choose pretty wisely which ones you, you deal with. But I think the nature of events is changing. So I'm seeing. I'm not saying it never it doesn't happen or we don't do them. I'm just seeing less of it. You know, the three day expo in um, you know, Berlin or whatever it was. It's a lot of time, it's a lot of money, it's a lot of investment, it's a lot of effort, right? And I think people now are saying, Is that the right model for a modern world? Um, people are a bit more time poor. People do have um you know, it's difficult to give up three days to go to an event sometimes so i'm seeing a lot more short events you know two hours even one hour long um much more kind of punchy um virtual events are becoming very much more 
significant, whether that's webinars or virtual conferences or or different ways of interacting with the audience, right? And, and that's good because people are time poor. They don't always, they can't even necessarily even travel across London very easily. If you know, if your events in the in the West End, you've got people coming from Canary Wharf. That can that can be a bit tricky for people sometimes. Events are always going to have a role, right? Because we we are a people industry uh, ultimately, and you want to you want to shake the hands and, and and meet and network and so on. But I think they're becoming less of an important piece of the marketing mix from from my angle anyway okay yeah cool um i've probably got a couple more questions for you um sticking with the digital side of things what do you think are the most yeah. exciting tech trends that you're seeing in the etf world yeah uh, well i think people are uh, are finally getting automation in, in, a, in a better way than they used to. I mean, I sign up to a lot of, you know, newsletters from, from different issuers. Um, it's incredible how few people are doing personalization even, right? I mean, it's a very basic, basic thing. Um, so, so, you know, I think it is moving in the right direction. Um, I don't, I, nothing is standing out to me in a particularly, you know, not, uh, particularly kind of shiny way as anybody kind of broken the mold with, marketing kind of technologies mm-hmm. broadly speaking i mean i don't think so i think that's the nature of that you know and in, in, in industry can be um you know conservative and, and sometimes and also also implementing change in a, in a large company is, it's pretty difficult sometimes yeah. as well to you know, you, you know it's much easier for me to make changes here at hand with a couple of people um yeah. so uh, watch this space is what I, I would say. I, you know, I think probably the next frontiers, if people wouldn't get it right, you know, the, the mobile geo-targeted um, advertising. Uh, you know, I've got some interest around that. I think there's some interesting stuff people can do with kind of experiential marketing. It hasn't really been explored very much in 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 our world. Um, but I think if you know if people were taking it to the next level, I'd expect to see. You know, on a, on a basic level, more kind of mobile orientation, more tablet orientation, and then from a strategy point of view, probably a little bit more focus on account-based and and programmatic, which only the kind of bigger guys uh, seem to be doing right now. Yeah, I think definitely watch this space is the the main mantra to look for in terms of you know the tech's coming. Maybe in the next couple of years, it will change drastically. Yeah, and we've got to see what the impact of things like 5G is going to be. You know, it's going to open up a whole new world of possibilities. We've got Internet of Things coming our way. I don't think any marketers really, in my world, wrapping their heads around what that could possibly mean. Um, you know, there are new social platforms kind of appearing, you know, once in a while. Um, most people will have a LinkedIn feed, um, but, you know, the real, the real social audiences of the future are, are probably not on Facebook. Um, they're probably on uh, emerging market focused social platforms, for example, you know, Alibaba's and WeChat's and so on, are, you know, probably not used very much by Western companies. And that might be something people can, you know, begin to begin to think about how they use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Great points. Um, and to finish off then, just on a bit of a lighter note, um, who do you follow for inspiration? Um, and do you have any recommendations for our listeners on, online influences or elsewhere that best impacted your work? 
Yeah, I mean, I, listen, I, I mean, not specifically. I think my approach is you've got to take inspiration from all over the place because yeah. you never know where the good ideas are coming from. And, and so, you know, I actually read pretty widely um, from a, from a idea kind of ideation point of view. I mean, it, it might come off of LinkedIn. It might come off, you know, I read some like futurism blogs, um, which which are quite interesting for for kind of forward looking trends. Um, I often find a lot of the best ideas come off of um, outside of our industry. You know, when we're look, when we're looking more at the, the consumer and retail end of the world. Um, from from, if you want me to name some specifics of, of stuff, there's um, there's a good there's a good uh, LinkedIn channel called Brilliant Ads. Um, so I, I like to take a look at them. They're often quite good to, to um, check out some of that more kind of creative angle. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the, the marketing blogs tend to be uh, um, tend to be quite helpful. I mean, I'll look at things like uh, you know, HubSpot. I'll look at the Marketo CMO Nation. Um, but again, that's very much more, I think, for like best practices rather than inspiration. I mean. Okay. Honestly, it's a really tricky question to answer. I think inspiration is like a personal thing, isn't it? So where do you get ideas from? You have to you have to just see something cool and go, how do I use that? Um, and you could see it in a re- you could see it in a restaurant, or you could, it could come to you while you're uh, while you're on the train. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's an evasive answer, but uh, but I think that, I think that's probably where I'll where I'll land. Read broadly and uh, see how you can pirate ideas from people. I think that's absolutely right. I mean, we've had such a range of answers to that question from kind of just, you know, influencers on Twitter to authors like Hunter S. Thompson <laughs> coming in. Um, right, yeah. It's inspirations to people. And it is just all about just taking ideas from everywhere, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And just being, and this is what I said, being, going back to that kind of being more creative, be, be more open-minded about it because uh, I don't think we're going to evolve as, a, as an industry. Um, unless people do that, right? There's a real risk that asset management marketing can, can stagnate. Um, but hopefully it's, uh, you know, hopefully it won't. I think we're, we're definitely going to be creative and try to try to push the boundaries a lot more than we already have done. Um, you know, now we're at a, now, you know, the core of what we're doing is set up. We can um, spend a lot more time focusing on a kind of finesse piece of things. And I think with some of the, obviously I won't tell you what they are right now, but with some of the products we've got, um, in the pipeline, we'll have a lot of scope to uh, to do things a little bit more, uh, more, more entertaining and, and a bit more cheeky. Hopefully, that's awesome. Yeah, we're really looking forward to seeing like how your the creative side to Han ETF is going to come through in the next the next few months or few years. It sounds like you're doing a really good job of revitalising that kind of yeah conservative um, look to to funds. Well, thank you. Yes, yeah, it's, it's good to do. As I said, it's a, it's a real luxury and a, and a privilege, actually, to, to be able to have that position and be able to kind of create something from from nothing and build it all your way. Um, so we are fortunate on that, um, and, it, and it has been very helpful. I think you know we've, we're two people in marketing now, but I think we're punching above our weight. So it is possible. But I would, you know, probably to finish off my thoughts on that, um, don't underestimate the time that that takes um don't underestimate the kind of complexity um that is involved in doing it it is worth in my opinion it is worth the pain it is worth the money um over the long term because once you've got that that you know that core 
marketing automation, um, digital platform in place, it's so much easier to kind of roll out and scale from, from that point on. So that first initial, I guess, in my case, about, you know, six months of uh, six months of kind of hard work on that and, and working with some pretty good uh, tech implementation guys mm-hmm. got us to that point. Um, but uh, it is it is significant. It really helps when you've got senior management buying into the vision. And again, I think the real core here is if we can give you the data that makes you know it easier for us, more effective for us to target our audience, uh, that our sales guys are seeing the kind of benefits of that, uh, our client base is having a better experience with us because of that, um, then we're going to win. And having that data is you know empowering for you to do that. And as I said, it just becomes much less a matter of subjective opinions, gut instincts, taste and and uh, and feeling and a lot more about what can we actually see happening in our world pretty much in real time, how are people responding, where they're interested, what's working for them or not. So for me, it's been worth the journey so far. That's awesome. I think that's an absolutely excellent place to leave it. Um, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us today. We really appreciate you giving your time to talk to us. That has been great. Thanks very much. I uh, appreciate you given the uh, platform, I actually think we need more of this kind of conversation in the, in the industry. Awesome. Thanks so much, Simon. Hopefully talk to you soon. Appreciate it. Bye now.